We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's Justin Fields with 12 on the play clock. On third down, back to throw. Fires right side on the numbers. Allen Robinson sandwiched but makes the catch. Hit on the play and a first down for Allen Robinson. Back and ready to operate on Eric Stokes, the rookie. Pickup of eight. Voice of the Bears, Jeff Joniak over on WBBM calling one of Allen Robinson's two catches during the Green Bay win over the Bears. Allen Robinson, two catches for 14 yards. Targeted six times. What has happened to Allen Robinson this year? I, I realize we've asked that question before, but sometimes it really, it really hits you considering how important that guy was to the Bears for the first three years of his of his Bears life and how dominant he was at times. It is it is jarring as I think about this in, in real time. I'm Mark Grody at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for being with me. I will be here until 9 o'clock tonight. We are scheduled to have on Cubs Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins at about 825. But like I said, I'll be here until 9 o'clock if you'd like to text 312-644-6767. But let's keep the Bears talk going. Mark Potash, my guy from the Chicago Sun-Times. What's going on, Potsy? How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. If you don't mind, I'd like to start right there with Allen Robinson. Are you as baffled as I am as this continues to go on without there being really a whiff of Allen Robinson affecting games for the Bears this year? Yeah, yeah. I think we're past the point of being baffled because um, it's been almost it's been absolutely from the beginning of the season. And I think Allen Robinson's demise uh, in this offense uh, this season has just been just yet another red flag for the Matt Nagy offense and, and why it just doesn't work. And because he is he's where you should have started with two new quarterbacks, one veteran, one rookie. He should have been the guy that you the, the go to guy, the guy that you automatically um, you know automatically has ten targets a game, and it's been just the opposite and. Um, and even though you know Darnell Mooney has has done well at times, you know he's not the reason why Allen Robinson is. You know it's, it's not because they're double covering Allen Robinson and and somebody else is 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 uh, making hay off of that. It's just that this is just not a very good offense, and it doesn't. Um, this is a guy Allen Robinson who has made a living with uh, mediocre quarterbacks. I can't put it any other way. So it's not like all of a sudden the uh, the talent level has dropped and now he's no longer has Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. This is a guy who has actually uh, um, uh, excelled in in offenses that just let's say are not very good, and yet all of a sudden now it doesn't. Now he's not a factor. That makes 
no sense. It's a, like I said, it's a, it's one of many red flags about this offense that just you know you know just makes you know makes you wonder you know what what they're doing. Is is Justin Fields a, a red flag at all for you at this point, Mark? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't go quite that far because that just sounds so harsh. But yeah, no, I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on Justin Fields by any stretch. Um, somebody asked me, uh, another somebody from out of town media asked me about you know, it didn't who hadn't seen uh, Fields play as recently and said, um, does is is Fields the real deal? Is he going to be the guy who who uh, is the quarterback the Bears um, you know expect to be? And my answer is very simple. Not simply not not in this offense. It's not going to. He, he's not that good. He's not that good that he can take uh, that he can rise above the muck, as I like to say, and to, and put this uh, offense on his shoulders and make a bad offense good. Hmm. Now, can he make a, a good offense great? I I, I think so. But you got to get there first. But based on what I've seen, to answer your question is no. I'm not totally at at, at the rate they're going. I'm not totally sold that that um, he's going to be all they expect him to be. I think it all depends on what kind of changes they have, and if they get somebody in who can who really isn't trying to run a Bears offense, but actually runs a Justin Fields offense. Because I think with these quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, you see what they do. Kingsbury does with him. Um, uh, you know that's that's what it takes these days. Um, you know for guys like that to excel, and and so so we have to wait and see. What it really hits home for me, Mark, and this is just part of the equation on how quarterbacks develop or whether they develop and turn into good quarterbacks or not. What really hits home for me is, and it sounds like an obvious thing that everybody knows, but. There's a huge difference between the NFL and college football. Even the greatest programs, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, where Justin Fields obviously went, and maybe the gap is even bigger now than it than it once was. And I think that I, I sometimes I forget that. I think we forget that. Maybe Justin Fields didn't know that. But you you see it and and it truly is a speed of the game, schematically different for the for defenses, obviously talent-wise, it is hugely different. As great as some of those teams are and their opponents, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles is actually adjusting to the NFL game. And I don't think Justin Fields has completely done that yet, or well, I don't not think even he has either. But I, I, I would say that that's and not to harp on it, but I just think it's been complicated by the fact that I don't think he's in a very good offense, and and so that has made all the that is just complicated and made more difficult all the other all the all the adjustments that you know all these rookie quarterbacks are struggling with the exception of Mac Jones who's who's with the Patriots and they've kind of you know kind of catered the, the, the offense to his strengths and weaknesses you know like you know, in bad conditions throwing three passes you know that kind of thing so all the other all the other quarterbacks the actually the ones who are actually more highly rated are all struggling and cuz that's just that's just the way it goes but um Kind of felt like the Bears were in a little better shape to really do something uh, with Fields and to make some more of him, and I and I just don't feel they've done it. So they've made it more difficult for him. But you're right; he would have struggled almost no matter what this season. But at least it would have set you up for next year. And frankly, now we don't even know how is he set up for next year. He'll probably be going into another new offense and learning all over again. And how much is he getting out of these games that everybody wanted him to have? I mean, it made so much sense that. Uh, uh, that you know, if you're working to go to the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, well, you know, take your lumps now uh, with Justin Fields and and see what happens. And and I think when this season ends, that'll be a question mark of just um, of just where they are with Justin Fields. Yeah, and I, I was talking about Matt Nagy right before we had you on, and the, we, you know, Matt Nagy talked 
to the players, you know, publicly what we heard during the press conference. And he, he said that he said, this is who we could be at least talking about the first half. And I'm surmising that he's actually subliminally thinking to himself what it could have been, what it could have been for him. Matt Nagy, here's this explosive uh, offense. And yeah, the defense hasn't been great in this, in this half, but this is what it's all about. This is modern day football. I was thinking this, Matt Nagy is thinking, Mark, what it could have been. Don't you think that's the case? Because there haven't been many moments like that, really, really, in his tenure where you're like, that's it. And and that was one of those halves. That was one of those moments. Yeah, and I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think they've even come close to that. So any any success at all is enticing to him. And, and but it's too late for that. I mean, uh, you know, having a little bit of success, uh, um, you know, just sparks of success. I point. I asked him the other day. Just pointed out just the the Demir Bird play. I think it was like a 54-yard touchdown pass. It was one of those plays that just looks like that's what a good offense does. It was the right play call against the right defense, and it was perfectly executed. The throw was right there, and 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 that kind of when those things happen, yeah, you know, when Mitch Trubisky was in his first year in this offense and that happened, then you can say, wow, that's what this can be. You know, this is what this can be. But now you're four years into the offense, and you just, you know, just goes in one ear and out the other. No offense to Matt Nagy, but it's just, you know, <laughs> know. when you're that inconsistent, um, eventually you just figure out that it's just uh, everything's just a big tease, and they've proven that they just can't do anything with any consistency, um, and they keep changing the parts and kind of re- trying to restart the clock, but I, I think that clock's going to run out. Are, are you pretty well um, convinced that if there is to be a, a head coaching change that it would be in the off season, or do you think there's still a potential surprise party during the year? No, I think they could, especially with the rules change that allows NFL teams to kind of talk to uh, you know a current like uh, uh, coaching candidates on, on active teams in in weeks uh, 17 and 18. I, they they could the Bears aren't necessarily the type of organization that, that jumps at that opportunity. I'm I'm sure they're aware of it. They uh, they might want to do that. So that that would be the pod, that would be the time to do it. But there's also the complication of who's going to make the pick and. And um, that's why it is complicated, because if you're going to do that, if you're going to be that aggressive, you might want to – the question is, do you want to have – who's your GM that's going to do that? Are you going to make a change with Ryan Pace? And if you do that, you've got to – the wheels already have to be in motion for that for that to happen, because you would have to have your GM in place before the end of the season, which is not that unusual. But it's just not the bear style. So I don't think it's going to – I don't think that's the way it's going to work. That's, frankly, one reason why I just think – it's going to be a pace will stay in some form or fashion, and 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 the change will be with the with the head coach. Getting back to the to the players, and we're talking to Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun Times. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. The whole Tevin Jenkins thing has been a rush, and not all rushes are good. So don't think that I am saying that something to connote that it is it is all good. It's just been crazy um, in terms of what the injury and training camp and the recovery, and now he's there, and then he gets. What did you think about Tevin Jenkins getting into the game, and what do you think about Tevin Jenkins going forward this year? Well, it was a tough spot for him. It was like, what what else can go wrong? Even the best, you know, it's, it's like the Bears theme this year. Even the best things uh, have been problematic, and, and that's a perfect example of, you know, just like with Fields. You want to get him in, you want to get him in, and then the next thing you know, he's in, against the Browns. You know what I mean? So so uh, I, I felt bad for, for Jenkins because it was, he, he, A, he'd been out for most of the year. He hadn't, It's not like he'd been practicing or, or even been able to practice any form uh, during the season, he really hadn't, and then he got thrown in in this in a tough situation, 
And I frankly, I kind of hope they don't give up on him. I hope this doesn't alert, because I know people out there saying, see, that's why you don't play a rookie. That's why you don't play Tevin Jenkins, because you're going to get your quarterback, your rookie quarterback killed. And I kind of feel like he deserves a, a chance to do it for real. And, and if, if Peters is back, I guess that's the way it will be. But if, if they have a chance to give him a, a regular starting uh, uh, play, you know, a, start, a game to start, I think they should probably do it, because I think he still shows enough. He showed enough. He was overwhelmed a little bit, out of sorts, I guess. But, but I still think he, you know, he still deserves a chance to prove it. But it is to, yeah. I mean, he does need the experience. I mean, he's going to have to play as a, as a, as a rookie and an inexperienced player with Justin Fields as a quarterback at some point in time. You can't wait five years until Justin Fields is a veteran quarterback to do it. So it's going to happen at some point in time. Uh, and, and so I think that it might as well be be now. That's that's my opinion, especially with you got Boren playing pretty well on the other yeah. side. That's kind of a bonus. I mean, if you had yeah. two, excuse me, if you had two tackles, two rookie tackles who were both kind of learning on the job, and uh, you know, really like and playing like Tevin Jenkins did the other night, which I don't think he would do in a regular situation, then you've got a problem. But uh, I think Borum has actually played well and seems to be playing better. I just and I, and I haven't like I haven't graded his film. I don't do that. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. But I'm just counting the amount of times that that I look at that I that I see the quarterback in trouble. And I look back and I say, well, who blew that block? And it's never him, and or rarely him. And so I think he's actually been a little bit of a find. And I think that gives them a little bit of. Um, of room uh, to at least to try and, you know, if they have to give him help, whatever, but to play Jenkins more because, you know, that's their future. That I mean, he was going to start before even before Borum or Justin Fields as far as their draft picks. So, um, so I think you got to. I, I think I think it would still be wise to to stay the course there, unless he until he proves that in a regular situation where he's prepared all week that he can't handle it. Yeah, uh, two things based on, on, on your comments that it made me think that uh, with Larry Borum, it makes me wonder if he is this good now. And I'm like you, I don't know actually how good he is, but he's been good enough. If he as a fifth round rookie who had who was injured some in training camp there, is, is this you know serviceable, this good at this stage, what is his ceiling? Could he be really good or even, dare I say, great someday? I don't know. It just makes me think about his ceiling a little bit more. And if, to your point, with 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 Borum there, and if, and I know it's the, it's a big old if, if Tevin Jenkins is good, and he was great in college, he was a great offensive lineman, you have a really good offensive line on the Bears for the first time in a while, right? Right, and that's kind of with, I think, the interior of the line, which was supposed to be the strength of the team, really not having the kind of year I thought they would all the way across the board. I mean, Mustafer, that's an open spot as far as I'm concerned at this point. Um, and White here and Daniels are good, but they were expected to be better. And so even without that, then they, 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 when you put those two tackles in there, that excuse me that uh, that that changes a lot of things. That sets you up for a lot for a lot of different things. And and uh, to to your point about Borum, I think next year is when we find out where uh, where his ceiling is because then that's when the league can kind of respond to him and it's up to him to kind of take the next step and learn from what he's you know learned this year and get better. But I mean they've always liked. I mean those two guys were a lot closer. In the beginning of the draft, before the draft, I mean, Tevin Jenkins was considered a first-round pick. In fact, a lot of people, myself included, had him going 20th to the Bears, and he went in the second round. And Bourne was like a mid-round pick, but 
they are. I think I think the Bears consider those two guys a lot closer from the beginning, and it's and from the beginning it's because Jenkins was out. It's looked that way. Borm is Borm has looked like better than a fifth round pick. Yeah. Um. And so so yeah, you might have something there, and that often happens. I mean, that's you know that's not a big surprise that uh, somebody drafted an athletic guy like him. Um, you know, can take to the NFL and and be really good. So yeah, that would be that would be a bonus. Um, you know, for the Bears to have that and then and then get uh, Jenkins up to speed. Uh, you know, next year. And, you know, all that said about Larry Borum, I was talking about this earlier. Who who is your Bears rookie of the year? Is it Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Larry Borum, maybe even Kyrus Tonga? Does anybody stand out to you as the definite? Yeah, no, I got to go with Borum. I just think he's. Uh, yeah. I I I don't know what the grades are, and sometimes I go with the I go with the, I go with the Pro Football Focus grades when they kind of support my story, and I ignore them when they don't. So I don't know exactly <laughs> what those. I got to be honest. I don't know exactly of what course. they mean, and I don't know what exactly his are. Uh, his yeah. grades are. I don't know, and, and even by the Bear Centers, I don't know how how he grades out. All I know is by the eye test for a rookie on an offense that's just not very good, um, I think he's been excellent and a, and a big surprise. That could have been a lot bigger. That could have been a huge problem for them with a Fetty oh, yeah. and Wilkinson out and, and not having you know having a rookie. that You really could have got people hurt, and they didn't. And I think he's now, to, uh, to, frankly, to the point, I think he's above average at this point. But just based on the eye test, I don't know what the reality is. The, 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 the film watchers will have to tell you that. Uh, I'm not that, but, but but I would go with Borm, I think, far and away. Not far and away. I think he's been their best, most consistent um, uh, rookie uh, rookie performer this year. And, and, of course, you know, Fields is kind of an X factor. Even in the last, you know, four games, you know, he could, he could turn that around totally. But, unfortunately, I don't think we've seen too many things, uh, too many uh, um, uh, signs, indicators that, that that's going to happen. It could happen because he's such a great athlete. But the way this offense is going with the injuries they have, it, 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 you just don't know. You just, you just hope everybody's upright at the end of the year, and that yeah. would be good. Yeah, it's going to be so different, and I, I know I've probably said this to you before, but it's going to be so different when training camp starts next year in Lake Forest. And it, obviously there's going to be different, probably a different head coach, and who knows what the structure of the – but just Justin Fields in year two, and that he doesn't have to stand behind anybody for anything going into that year. My last question for you – uh, Mark Potash is, as long as I'm asking my silly little Twitter questions, the, uh, the other question I put up was, who has been the Bears' best player this season? And the candidates that I put up were Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Jalen Johnson, and David Montgomery. Um, feel free to pick one of those, or if there's somebody that I'm missing as the Bears' best player this season. You know, those, those are the four. Those are four good ones to me. Um, uh, Robert Quinn's had such a good year. I don't want to say it's a runaway for Roquan, but I think Roquan clearly, still clearly, has been the Bears' best player because he's taken his game to another level. He's averaging 10 tackles a game. He's made big plays. Not as many like huge, you know, you call splash plays. Not as many as maybe you would you would hope, but in a better defense, and a better defense he would have. If he was in this 2018 defense this year, he would have been the he might have been the defensive MVP of the league. And I'm I'm not overstating that. He's been that good. And also besides, you know, besides his tackles, I mean, he's got a few sacks. I think he's got the the one interception obviously. Uh, but he he and he he is like when Hicks was at his best. 
Hicks was a factor in every single play, which is oh, really man. amazing for a guy like him. But uh, Roquan's like that now as a linebacker. All linebackers have that opportunity. But he really may, he influences every play. There, he has 130 tackles, but he has a lot more tackles like assisted that he doesn't even get credit for because he turned a guy into – somebody else. He turned a runner into somebody else because yeah. they know when he's coming and they know he's going to be there and he's there quicker than anybody else. He's had one of the best years for uh, certainly an inside linebacker that we've had that we've seen here um uh since Erlacher. And um I don't know if, uh, he's yeah, he I'll I'll say it, he's at that level. He's at, he's yeah. playing at an Erlacher level, but Erlacher maybe had more big plays. Yeah. But, but he he's there and and uh and and he's young and I feel like he's also still going to get better. I just see it because I don't think this was a great year for the Bears defense. I don't think it's been a great year for the Bears defense. And a guy like Roquan can be is he's, it can be even better in a, a, when, when so many other things are going his way and he can kind of be a little more free to kind of freelance a little bit and take some chances. He's had to put, I think he's had to play it more close to the best in this defense, and he's done a great job of it. But anyway, that in a long-winded way, answer, that is my – I don't think it's – to me, with all due respect to Robert Quinn, he's had a phenomenal year, more than just the sacks. He also has influenced a lot of plays. He's played off the run. He's done he's done everything uh, that they've asked him to do. But Roquan, I think, is is the Bears MVP. Yeah, I actually voted for Quinn, and I don't have time to like completely support my case at this very moment. But can you believe that that he's got a shot at tying or passing Richard Dent? Isn't that isn't that, isn't that it blows my mind because it just seems like everything on the '85, '86, that era of the '84 uh, for the Bears is like untouchable, and and here it is. And here it is. Robert Quinn could be the guy. And especially after the year he had last year uh, where you didn't yeah. know if he would ever come back. I mean, you have a bad year at 30 or 31, whatever he was. Or then, and then, you know, you're thinking, wow, you got him at the wrong time, especially at a position that an outside linebacker that he wasn't totally comfortable. I mean, it just looked like he would not do it. And he's been that and and more. And uh, so, yes, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's not surprising me because he had like 19 sacks one year uh, with the Rams, so I know he's capable of that. I've seen him even with the Cowboys, yeah. he was actually really effective. He's a, he's a great pass rusher, uh, yeah. but it's taken a little while for him to kind of get on board uh, and get uh, get get himself straightened out. And um, now the question is, now that he's 31 or whatever, you know how much gas does he have left in the tank? And, and that'll be a big factor because this defense, just like you and I, is getting older every day. <laughs> By the minute, Mark. Mark. Thank you so much. I'll see you out at Hallis Hall tomorrow. Okay, thanks, Mark. Talk to you later. All right, buddy. That is Mark Potash talking Bears the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Mark Grody, and hopefully next, I think we're going to have on Cubs Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins talk about a book that he contributed to, and we'll have some fun with Fergie, too, hopefully. Coming up next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. On this day, I'm not only being inducted alone. I'm being inducted on July 21st, 1991 with my father, Fergie Jenkins Sr., Hershey. It is with the deepest humility and the warmest regards for the sport I accept this prodigious award, acknowledgement and the recognition from the Baseball Writers of America and the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I will cherish it forever. Thank you very much. He's one of the greatest Cubs players of all time. That was the voice of Ferguson Jenkins. I'm Mark Rohde on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score here with you until 9 o'clock tonight. And it is now my pleasure to welcome on the Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins. He contributed to a, a book that will come out soon called Chili Dog MVP Dick Allen, the 1972 White Sox and a Transforming Chicago. Fergie, thanks for coming on. How are you tonight? And happy birthday, my friend. One day late, right? Oh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, birthdays, they just keep on coming. So, yes, you got to tolerate it. Yeah, I, I I am working on a way to stop them from coming. I think that everybody would be a lot happier, and I would probably be very wealthy as well. Uh, Fergie, I, I want to ask you first about the – I don't know how much you contributed to the, the title of the game, but can you tell us a little bit of the meaning of it with the Chili Dog MVP and then transforming Chicago as well? Can you enlighten us on that a little bit? Well, the title uh, – and I found out later on it's – Dick played the was a doubleheader. Dick played the first game, and uh, Chuck Tanner gave him the second day off. But uh, he was in the dressing room just relaxing, and he was eating a chili dog. And then one of the bat boys run in and said, "Hey, Chuck Tanner might want you to pinch hit in the ninth inning. They're losing the ball game, I think four to two." <laughs> and uh, Dick had to get dressed quickly, get back out on the bench, and I think that's the reason why the the title is called uh, Chili Dog MVP. <laughs> okay. It, it is a catchy title for sure. A little bit on on your history with with Dick Allen. A couple, I guess we'll start with you know what has been in the headlines, and that is that y- you were a part of the Hall of Fame committee in 2014 and this year. Both times, um, Dick Allen has not gotten approval or the enough votes to get into the, the Hall of Fame. Fergie, what's going on? Why can't you guys get him into the Hall of Fame yet? Well, it's, it's well discussed about uh, Dick. Uh, every individual that's on the ballot, uh, you, you, you talk about him for 35, 40 minutes. Joe Torrey was there because they played together with the Cardinals and Mike Schmidt with the Phillies when he was there. And uh, my minor league situation uh, when I was with, with Dick in Williamsport, again in Little Rock, and then briefly with the Phillies when they had that September call-up in 65. So we're all discussing what Dick Allen's uh, ability was, uh, his uh, contribute uh, to, to winning ball games, and it was all a plus. And it's really unfortunate he fell one vote shy again. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Minnie Minoso went in. He had quite a few votes. And Gil Hodges, the first time on uh, the Golden Era, got 14 votes. So 
uh, you know, when you look back, you know, it's really unfortunate, but Dick belongs in the Hall of Fame. And now, posthumously, similar to Ron Sano, he's going to probably go in the Hall of Fame. Where does he come up short, do you think, or do you know, in the, the mind of the, the coming up a vote short? You know, I'm not sure what, what, what it uh, contributed to the shortage of one vote, because we talked about his home run power, his contribute to being a great teammate, uh, scoring runs, RBIs, so many different things. You know, Dick started off as an infielder, and then he put him in the outfield in Little Rock, played center field, and then when Don Hope got released his rookie year, 1964. He started off in third base, and then later on he went to first. But I just think that, unfortunately, one vote shy, you know, it's hard to say out of 14 ballots who didn't vote for him or who did vote for him. So I, I don't think they're going to ever bring it up, but he was my number one ballot. It, it, people always say that, that he was – misunderstood or I've heard difficult with the media. You knew him pretty well, obviously. What, what is he like and why do I hear that about him? Well, I think Dick was, like you say, uh, misinterpreted because of the fact that uh, he loved to play the game. He loved baseball. He loved to go out there and, and perform. Uh, you know, it's hard to say Chuck Tanner, when he came to the White Sox, uh, would take Dick out for a pinch runner, pinch hitter in the, in the seventh or eighth inning so he could get dressed and, and not talk to the press. But Dick was such a star. You know, it's really unfortunate. He didn't get that opportunity to tell him exactly what he thought the game was all about, what his con- contribute part was. Because Dick was a, a player that went out there and played the game hard. He loved to play. And, to me, a personable individual. Talking to Cubs Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins, who contributed to an upcoming book called Chili Dog MVP, Dick Allen, the 1972 White Sox and a Transforming Chicago, written by David Fletcher, John Owens, and George Castle. Definitely looking forward to that coming out. Fergie, if I may um, ask you about what is going on in baseball right now, and that is that nothing is going on in baseball right now. What is your perspective on what is going on between the two sides? Well, right now they've got the, what they call the lockout. It's a battle between the billionaires and the millionaires. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're right. You're young absolutely men are making, right. They're making lots of money. Oh, yeah. The owners are, the owners are, 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 are striking back. I, I'm not sure what it's all about, but it, it has to do with money. They're, I think they're going to, within the next couple of months, they'll have some more meetings. They'll get it settled. The spring training will probably start on time. Uh, probably sometime in February. Yeah. But right now, they need to strike a deal that's going to be at least five to ten years, so that this 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 is not going to be brought up again. You know, you you talking about you know billionaires versus millionaires is what it is. And when I was thinking, when you're saying that, you must be and players that played in your era, let alone great players like yourself. You must be a little resentful when you see that and the money that they make and the bickering, essentially, that they're doing. Well, in, in my era, the money was good. Uh, you know, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, and all these guys are making $100,000. I got to that, that uh, plateau in my fourth year in the big leagues. Okay. I was all the right. first Cub to have an agent. 
So, I mean, it's all about what you negotiate for. And, and these players are getting seven- and eight-year contracts worth 80 to 90 to $200 million. And I think it's good for baseball, but maybe not good for the owners. Okay. All right. No, that's a great answer. You know, I didn't, I didn't look at it that way that you, you did just fine. That, that's interesting. I did not know that you were the, were, you were the first Cubs player ever to have an agent. First one. I had the I, two Montreal agents that negotiated contracts for, for the Montreal Canadiens hockey team, uh, David Chetier and Larry Sazen. And Mr. Wrigley would not talk to them. And the reason why <laughs> he, he had a rule, he didn't talk to a lawyer or an agent. So when spring training of, I think it was of uh, 1970, I was a holdout for almost 20 days at spring training. Wow. Until they, Mr. Wrigley would speak to your, your agent, right? Yeah. So we, we had a discussion at the ballpark. We were in Scottsdale in the, in the locker room. And finally he wanted the agents to leave the room. And he said, Mr. Jenkins, what would it take, contract-wise, for you to put a uniform on to start spring training? I said, I want to make the, the same money that Juan Marichal and Bob Gibson's making. They're making ninety dollars to $100,000. I ended up signing the contract that year for ninety-two-five. Next day, I was on the field, spring training. That is that's badassery, man. That's excellent. Um, when, when you then did that... Um, you get the agent and you're making your plays, and I get it. Different players are treated differently. Did other players then on that team that year start to get agents, or did it happen like after that year or in the future? Uh, it didn't happen that quick, but a few guys later on did. Uh, David Chetier rep- represented, uh, I think, Bert Hooten, and uh, also uh, I'm trying to think uh, one of the players that were at Brothers. Uh, Rick oh, the Russells. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the Russell brothers. Yeah, but, okay. You know, and, and it's really something. In 1970, I ended up winning, uh, I think, 21 or 22 ball games. And the next year, my Cy Young year, I won 24. Mr. Rick, he said, what are we going to do with these gentlemen here? <laughs> I said, we're going we're gonna to give me a $100,000 contract, which I did. I made 125000 that year. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I like that. That is that is power, man, and that's the way it is. That's the way it's supposed to work. And uh, now it is. Some players have two agents, you know. I mean, it's just it's crazy the way it's evolved. But uh, you have a really healthy attitude about it, you know. You're you're not doing the the ah. Oh, that's the, in my day we had to do this. You're happy for baseball, aren't you? Well, definitely. I, I think that the game is going to evolve a lot better once they get this straightened out. You know, baseball changes every year. All these new rules, the block rule, the the, the DH, the shift, it's all going to change. I think baseball is going to get better as it progresses. So it's just something that's going on right now. I think with winter meetings, the owners are going to change. It, it'll all change again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it works. Um, finally, Fergie, before I let you get back to the party, uh, this is statue year for you, isn't it? Isn't this the year before the start? Hopefully this season will, will start, um, at some point in time, but this is the year, right? Yeah. In 2022, uh, supposedly if we get everything settled, it's going to be May 20th. 
Okay. It's going to be unveiling of the statue. So I'm yeah, going to be joined with, with Sandal, Banks, and Williams. Oh, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, that can't be postponed. So there you go. If nothing else, you got to be – baseball must be played. Let's just let's just make it the start of May to be safe. Does that sound good, Fergie? That sounds good, and I'm looking forward to it. Believe me. <laughs> no, that that is – that's very cool. I can't even imagine what that would be like, and you are certainly one of the Chicago Cubs to deserve it, so congrats to you for that. And thanks for coming on, man. I know that uh, you guys are all out there talking about the, the book right now and hanging out for you to pick up the phone. It means a lot, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, as I said before, you know, being a teammate of some great individuals – you know, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Ernie Banks, and Dick Allen is right there in that company. Yep, yep. And uh, it, the more I read about him, the more I, I realize that. And I've always had, you know, growing up, bigger eyes on the Cubs. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting story. And hopefully, Fergie, you guys get him in the next time. For sure. That, I, wish, I sure hope it happens. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, Mark. Pleasure. Yep, I will talk to you soon, hopefully. That is Fergie Jenkins, the the Hall of Famer, and uh, you know contributed to the book Chili Dog MVP, um, which sounds interesting. And it's to me, it's it's uh, I hate that I hate it when anybody has to wait until they're they're no longer alive to get into a Hall of Fame. That sucks. But it's been, it has been interesting and fun to to do a little bit more reading up on some of these guys, like like Minnie Minoso and, and Dick Allen. Obviously, I know a lot about both of them, but to dig in a little bit deeper, to look a little bit more, to find out about the person and the, the sidebars that make them interesting. So that's been a fascinating part of, of all of this to me. And uh, Fergie Jenkins bringing it home right there. So that was cool. Uh, I'm Mark Grody. We are on the score. And when we return, I actually want to talk about something that Mark Potash brought up and a comparison that he made regarding Roquan Smith. We'll do that next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Trying to contain Kyler Murray along the edge. And Murray gets tripped up on his way towards the sticks. Roquan Smith. You've called him one of the best read and react linebackers in the NFL. Just look at the explosion and the speed, the eyes diagnosing the play. He feels it. Now watch him just mirror right here. And I thought normally right there when you get that little juke move, you're going to be by the middle linebacker. Not so much this time. And you can see Kyler Murray going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, thought I, I thought I had the corner there. I didn't get the corner on Roquan Smith. So good. The thing about Roquan Smith is, and that highlight courtesy of Fox Television, is that Roquan Smith was great last year, too. He's been really good to great as a bear. It's just that the National Football League is catching up this year. I mean, people knew Roquan Smith, but there were a couple of other bigger linebacker names on the inside in the NFL, so it's, it's kind of, it is truly a wait-your-turn thing when it comes to national exposure and actually zeroing in on Roquan Smith, but they're starting to, to catch up, and it's important if you think things like Pro Bowl, 
uh, or all pro, moreover, are important. If you think those things are important, it is absolutely pertinent that Roquan Smith gets the shine and the love, and he's starting to get it. He got it on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football the other night for sure. So, you know, Roquan Smith is starting to get his due. He's having a, a great season. Um, 130 combined tackles, three sacks, nine tackles for loss. And the the thing about Roquan Smith is, and Mark Potash brought this up earlier, and the knee-jerk reaction usually is when such comparisons are made to be like, come on. But Potash said he, he truly is now looking like Brian Urlacher in terms of the the way the they play the game, the 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 what looks like the perceived freedom with which they play, which is really more just watching a, a guy's beautiful running style and being in the right place and running a lot, you know, that that makes it that way. Um, and it's not hyperbole. Like, I, you know, of course, it, Roquan Smith has a long way to go to get to the level of first ballot Hall of Famer. But when you watch them play, the speed with which they, they both play and their abilities to wrap up and be really smart tacklers, like really good, both really good one-on-one tacklers. And obviously, are all like you always saw 54 in on all the tackles, like prominently, it seemed like. And that's the way it is for number 58 now, too. So I, I buy that. I buy that comparison for now. Can he keep it up and do it at the same Erlacher level? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, there, uh, what I do think is different from Roquan Smith and Brian Erlacher is fear factor. Like I still, you still don't. I mean, teams all know Roquan Smith at this point, and they all respect him. But I don't know if there's the same fear factor with Roquan Smith as there was with Brian Erlacher. He was number one with a bullet in terms of you got to know where Erlacher is, and maybe it's because of the size and Erlacher was at his peak faster than Roquan Smith, but not by much. Um, so, yeah, I think just in terms of overall presence, the Erlacher still, like, he's in a class of his own as far as Bears linebackers are concerned, but watching the sideline-to-sideline play by Roquan Smith, being in your picture on just about every tackle or around the play, uh, that does put him in a similar category or at least a temporary if not permanent comparison between Roquan Smith and and Brian Urlacher and I said this earlier too he is he's hitting harder this year and uh, he he's never been a light hitter necessarily but but the hits and the violence and the the sort of anger weren't always there and now that's there like he wants to he wants to lay out a little bit when when he makes plays he wants you to feel him when he makes plays so that that is something that i think he has added to his game this year and i think it's important because that kind of stuff like it it wears down defenses and it makes defenses think, you know, I might just step out of bounds as opposed to trying to go forward against Roquan Smith. An interesting text uh, from the 262. Do you think the Bears will be able to sign Roquan Smith to a long extension or long-term extension? I yes, assume please. is what the texter is mean. You, you, oh, you'd like that, would you, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that they have to. Like, it honestly, it's... Uh, it, Linebackers don't have the same kind of, they don't carry this, especially interior linebackers don't carry the same kind of weight that they did even, you know, 10 years ago when, or 15 years ago when Erlacher was at his peak and you had guys like Ray Lewis. But when you do get a good one, 
you have to hang like a really good one like Roquan Smith. You have to hang on to him. And, yeah, and they, uh, I, I think they would be insane to let him hit the open market. Like the, his extension should be done this offseason, maybe priority number one besides retooling the offensive line and, and getting on the receivers. Like you, got, you have to extend Roquan Smith. Well, here's something bizarre about Roquan Smith. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Roquan Smith, unless he got one in the last 24 hours, he does not have an agent, which is interesting, bizarre. Maybe he will eventually get one but i i would imagine studs that he would certainly uh, want to or excuse me the bears would certainly want to talk to roquan smith about a potential contract extension and i don't know if they have i've heard nothing of it i have not talked to anybody or even asked the question and roquan smith has not been um as far as like before games he hasn't been around as much this year as he was last year he's always you know you know, one of the first guys in, in postgame, but just for whatever it's worth in the pregame where you can kind of ask some of those types of questions. That's why I'm, I'm bringing it up. You could ask those things three or four days before a game, but after a game, you're probably not going to ask Roquan Smith after he had a 10-tackle game and a couple of sacks. Well, hey, what's going on exactly with your contract? What's with the whole agent thing anyway? Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to throw something else in there because if we're going to do the Roquan Erlacher compare, and I agree, like he's still got a long way to go before he gets into that echelon. But you see elements that made Erlacher so great in Roquan Smith's game, in addition to the side to sideline to sideline yeah. tackling. You also, I mean, that that cut that I that uh, that highlight that I played coming into this segment, where he basically runs Kyler Murray down. Like that was something that the Bears had with Erlacher that was so rare. They had this weapon. Yeah. That they, I mean, I I will never forget when the Bears game the when the bears played Michael Vick and I think like 2002. And so it was like peak Michael Vick. You know, he was just taking yep, over the I NFL. Know, I, know. Yeah. I remember the and, play and yeah. the bears, the bears def- defensive strategy was basically, okay, we have Brian Urlacher and he's just going <laughs> to spy you the whole game. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, right. He, and he dominated him. So, Oh yeah. Vic, even Vic was like, Man, you know, like what the hell? I, I usually I just run around these guys. What's yeah, this guy's yeah. in my face? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. yeah, Roquan Smith did something similar to Kyler Murray. They were talking about it even in the in the highlight. They're like, yeah, usually yeah. Murray just runs around these guys, but no, not Roquan Smith. He's just going to run you down. You know what's amazing, man? I, I, people always ask about like what's it like on the sidelines and like what's the perspective and all of that. Like, what do you hear on the field? What are they saying? And um, and there's only so much I can share. Uh, but man, that was one of my like best favorite sideline moments of all time um, with Roquan Smith and Kyler Murray, seeing them both at the peaks of their speed. Like, and I'm right there. Like sometimes I'm in a different spot, but I happen to be in the exact right spot. They came to the bare sideline and just. Just, just seeing the speed and then the thump, 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 thump um, of the spikes on the grass at Soldier Field. And that, like, it was just so live. It was very live to see those guys. So that was, like, a like one of those cool sports moments that I had, obviously tied in with some journalism and doing what I was doing. But I felt that, and it was it was very cool. Like, speed and power in 3D coming, coming right up at you. So it was... It was excellent. Um, I wanted to read this text on the way out, and and it is uh, from the 779. Is that Trash Panda talking to Grody? 
Yeah! Yeah, you know, he's only Trash Panda on Saturdays. For our purposes, he's Adam Stadzinski, and he was our producer tonight, and he's delightful as always. Adam, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to the callers. I know you guys are there right now. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening. Uh, come hang out with me on Twitter at Mark Grody Sports if you would like. And thank you to our guests as well, including Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago, Aaron Lemming from CBS Sports, Mark Potash from the Sun-Times, and Cubs great Hall of Famer Fergie Jenkins. Hope you have a great rest of your night. I'm Mark Grody. I will talk to you later on The Score. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.